1: listening to your old friends, Ron and Don, on the Ron and Don Radio Network, man.
0: (laughs) Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's episode 365 now of the Ron and Don Show. He's Ron, I'm Don, and of course, we are live from the Les Schwab studio.
2: What is up, Ron and Don Nation?
0: Hey, uh, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, when it comes to gambling, a lot of people are gambling because we just experienced the Super Bowl, right? It's legal to do that now. Isn't that crazy? You can win some of Terry's cash on Fox. All that is, is gambling. And the NFL said, we don't want to be a part of gambling for years. What if our players and our coaches start betting on the game? And then we what we found out is, well, players and coaches, were are probably betting on games. Nonetheless, uh, Ron plays a little poker and is kind of our poker an expert around here and our gambling expert. He wants you to know there's a new article out that says the house doesn't always win. Also, Peloton, and I'm sitting in our Les Schwab studios right now. There's a Peloton about, uh, I don't know, maybe a yard from me. And this is incredible, you guys. They are firing 2,800 workers, and they're hiring a new CEO. Why is that? I have some insight into that. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. We got a phone call the other day. And, uh, it's one of our new clients and she had seen me working on homes and rehabbing homes. Cause that's what Ron and I do. We rehab our own homes. A lot of times when people see me rehabbing, they think I'm going to flip that house. I don't rehab and flip. That's a way to make money, but it's not a way to build wealth. The way that you build wealth is you rehab, you hang on to that mortgage and you see if you can hang on to that mortgage for at least 10 years. That's called being a buy-and-hold investor. You hang on for 10 years, and then you see, and especially here in Seattle, I've used this example before, bought a house 12 years ago for just under half a million dollars. Today, that house is worth $1.8 million. You know why? I still have the house. I was able to hang on to it. I made about a million bucks just by buying and holding and hanging on to that house. Anyway, you can't always hang on. Sometimes you have to sell. Here we are in an up market, and is inflation creeping in? I think over on the east side it is for sure. So one of our clients called us, and she said, I'm in the middle of a rehab. I am working 60 hours a week, and I don't know if I have the time, energy, and money to keep rehabbing. What should I do? You guys are the realtors that have really differentiated yourself, and you are the experts when it comes to rehabbing. The important thing, Ron, is in an upcycle market, you want to be really careful about not spending too much money and over-rehabbing because sometimes you don't get that money back, do you?
2: Yeah, this all comes down in my mind to to expectations and and what you're thinking. And so, like, for instance, there was a recent story in the Seattle Times that had this unicorn of a house that went a million dollars over asking price in Bellevue. And so sometimes people will read that article. Uh, they'll talk to a neighbor. They'll hear these unicorn stories and they're like, I want to be a unicorn. I, I, want, I want my house to go a million dollars over. And so what they don't realize though is that your house is not their house. And so the first thing with uh, someone like this, where we did a Ronadon sit down with them, is to go, What's your expectation? Let's like, just call what, what, her,
0: and this is not her name, but let's just call her sandy. this is it's okay,
2: so sandy it's like sandy, what what is your expectation? Where is your headspace at, and like it, let us know what the story is and I was really grateful to her because sometimes, or at least with me, it's sometimes like i I don't want to tell someone that kind of storyline of like, Hey, I started this project. It's not really done yet, but I can't make a move right now. But most of us are my personality is like, I I don't even want to talk to you until everything's perfect and it's done and it's ready to go down the road. And so I get it though. It's like, Hey, I'm working 60 hours a week. I need some relief here and she will hopefully get a great result. So step one for me is to figure out what is the mindset what is the expectation? If it's like, I want to be on the front page of the Seattle Times for a million dollars over list price, then you and I, we cannot make that happen. We cannot wait a minute and make that happen. We
0: can. We can be good agents, and we could do what some agents do and they make sure that they list a property way below list like this agent did and then that way this agent ends up in the front page of the paper for going over a million dollars that right there is some shitty agency that that's what that is that's somebody not understanding the neighborhood even in an up market that should never happen But a lot of times, agents will do that, and they'll use your house to get on the front page of the paper and garner more business that way.
2: So in in this particular one, though, finding out what the expectation is, and then like no one had really spoken to her about the process about how the money is going to work, about what happens, because this is a home that's been in their family for a long time. So she's not buying and selling houses every day or every six months. So it's taking someone through that process where you go, oh, okay, I see what you call the exit strategies. I see how I can use this piece of real estate and uh, have an exit strategy that's going to be good for me. And, and that's the thing that I think you and I are very good at and does differentiate ourselves from other folks is to the education part of saying, well, what is your goal? What is the next step? And what is our exit strategy? And you, and you have to shift gears in your mind of thinking about the house as a place where you uh, live and maybe you raise your kids and you had a dog and you used to you know, park your car in the garage, nostalgia, nostalgia nostalgia of the house versus like, okay, now I'm, I'm shifting gears. This is now an asset,
0: a piggy bank. And what
2: do I do with this asset? And so if we can help you shift that gear, that's good. and, And so for some people, it's like, my parents are moving into assisted living. I need this money to do that. That's a goal. Other people are like, I want to sell now while the market is up and then I'm going to move out of state. That's a different type of goal. And so whatever the goal is and the reality is we can help you see that. And so it was interesting with this particular client to, to walk them through these sort of education points.
0: Yeah. And and, and she's like, I did my kitchen. The floor is torn up. Do I have to finish the floor? Should I do the bathrooms? What I have to paint. Do I need to build a deck on the outside? All these questions right now, there's a lot of things you don't have to do. You don't have to do them to sell a house in a downcycling market you have to cash cars and stars and you got to have donuts and coffee and you got to be out there and kissing babies and just whatever politicians do to try to get people to come by to get brokers to come by so we're not in that market so we have to be really careful about not overspending also you have to know what's happening in the neighborhood what's the zoning in this particular neighborhood that she's in and I'm going to go see her house on Saturday maybe we don't finish that work because it's on such an incredible lot and there may be somebody that wants to come in there and tear this house down and build a new home on this lot so you could put all this money in and you're not going to get the money back out because we find out the buyer is a builder the buyer is not a retail buyer or maybe the buyer is a retail buyer maybe we do do that bathroom maybe we do finish that floor i won't know till saturday But make sure if you're bringing, if you're listing a house, if you're coming to market, that you have those discussions. And Ron and I, in our sit-downs, we always tell people, yep, you're right, we have the largest social media following of any realtor in Washington, and we're going to leverage that to sell your house And we have. The other thing is this podcast right here has over a million plays on this podcast, I think a million, 200,000. I think that's one of the largest followings of a podcast in Washington State when it comes to two personalities and real estate. And the other thing that we like to leverage is our expertise on rehabbing. Uh, Ron and I have both been doing this for years. We own numbers of homes. I run seven Airbnbs. And the bottom line is when it comes to making money, cash flow, understanding the accelerating market, when it comes to understanding how do I add value, how do I force appreciation, or maybe I don't want to force appreciation Maybe I walk away. Or maybe I keep this thing and I'm a buy and hold investor. A lot of those words you may not understand, and that's okay. That's why we have a Ron and Don sit down. We sit down for 45 minutes, just like we did with Sandy. We have a discussion. We find out if we can be good partners. And the other thing that we can leverage is we can do things fast. You call a contractor right now. He may or may not come out to your house. And he'll come out to your house in three months. We have so many different projects going on right now that we're able, and we did this the other day. Take one of our contractors who's working on Queen Anne. We had a quick project we had to do in Magnolia to get this house on the market. The one on Queen Anne is for one of our clients that just bought this house, and now they're putting in two Airbnbs into this house. So we're not done after the transaction our contractors are helping them do that. And then at the same time, they were able to get everything done in Magnolia by this Friday so that we can get on in a, in a hot, heavy market. So we have leverage with those contractors because they work on our own projects. We can take them off our projects and we can pivot. So don't forget you don't want to over rehab. You do not want to do that. You don't want to spend that money. You're not going to get back, especially if your house ends up being sold. To a builder. Okay. Don't go anywhere to the Ron and Don Show. We'll see you in one minute. Hey, you guys, can you believe this? We've been working with Les Schwab for the past 12 years, but Les Schwab has been around for 70 years now, right here in the great Pacific Northwest. In fact, they're celebrating with your chance to win a $700 prize certificate. That's pretty amazing. And all you have to do is share your Les Schwab story. If you want to enter to win, and to do that, Ron, all you have to do is go to Les Schwab.com. I
2: know that I have stories, you have stories. Mine involves a giant nail in my tire, and they fixed it for free. You can go to leschwab.com, tell your story, win that seven hundred dollar prize, and while you're there, schedule a free pre-trip safety check right online they will look at your wheels alignment brakes shots shocks and struts all for free you can schedule yours at leshschwab.com or just stop by and tell them ron and don sent you that is Les schwab tires we've been doing the right thing since 1952
1: you can just tell that they uh, that they're just real genuine guys and, and care about uh, who they work with and just feel like we you know we got we got some some more friends now. It truly is one of life's biggest transactions. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. Hi, I'm Oli. Hi, I'm Emmy. Hi, I'm John Greenland. I'm Lauren Greenland. Hi, my name is uh, Anthony Kroll. Hi, I'm Gretchen. And I'm Byron. And we
0: sat down with, with Ron
1: and Don. Mm-hmm. They were more prepared. They paid way more attention to detail, um, and then they just came in with a with a lot more knowledge, and were able to set those expectations up a lot better. Than um, some of the previous uh, realtors that we worked with, so I mean, I was I was extremely pleased with the the, the entire the, the sit down, the the experience, and and the results. Of course, there was a
2: friendship that developed, in a in a trust. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say a trust, and then. You know, we we love them. It's been
1: a hell of a lot of fun for one thing. I see them as, as friends now. I feel like they've made me feel part of this community and knowing that you know, Don's just down the street is is comforting.
2: <laughs> we totally consider Ron and Don friends of ours now, and we do miss
1: working with them. It was intense there for a little bit, but it's an experience that we'll always remember and have, and um, and now lifelong friends.
2: It's the Ron and Don Nation. That's right. <laughs>
1: Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at com. Ron and Don. <laughs> okay.
0: You good? Yeah. Okay. Let's get going. All right, you guys. Welcome back to episode 365. And again, if you need us, just reach out. You can write Ron right now at, at com. We'll set up a Ron and Don sit down. In fact, check out that website, ronandonsitdown.com. We'll sit down today. We'll talk about your journey. And you may not be ready this year. Maybe it's next year. Or maybe it's this summer. Or maybe another, we need to get another realtor involved. Or maybe you need to buy and hold and hang on to that house. We're here to help. Okay. Uh, just write Ron, Ron at windermere.com and we'll schedule a sit down just like we did uh, with Sandy today. Super Bowl uh, just happened by the time you guys hear this podcast. And I don't know. What do you think, Ron? A billion dollars will have been bet on the Super Bowl? Or you think it's more? Worldwide, a billion dollars? I
2: I don't know the exact number. That wouldn't surprise me if it's a billion dollars. The the NFL now is doing what the NBA... The NBA was the the franchise or the league that really leaned into this and where the commissioner came out, Adam Silver, and was like, we want to embrace gambling. We know that because... And it's a different league, but for them, it's like... If it's a Thursday night game uh, between the Utah Jazz and the Indiana Pacers, um, there has to be some other overlay to generate some interest in our league Uh, because really there's only a few marquee teams and a lot of that midseason slog before you get to the playoffs, unless you're a hardcore NBA fan, you're not paying attention to it. If you got 20 bucks on the game, maybe you do. Yeah. And so they really embraced these websites like FanDuel and, uh, and DraftKings and those sort of things uh, so that people could enjoy wagering on a, a game. And so what has happened here um, is that the NFL was always kind of the, the odd man out. The NFL knew that people were gambling on the games, but that they were not necessarily – they didn't want to sanction that. And they didn't want to be a party to it for a scandal reason. They thought that, and this makes sense, what happens if um, a player gets paid a lot of money to throw the game or to drop a pass or to miss a field goal uh, and to to meet a line because those gambling things have happened. Uh, So the NBA never wanted a team in Vegas, and they never wanted to be associated with gambling for years and years and years and years. At the same time, They have always had gambling around the league. If you remember when you and I were growing up on the NFL today show was Jimmy, the Greek. He was a bookmaker in Las Vegas that set gambling lines on NFL games. And he would, would, who was Jimmy, the Greek. It was Irv cross, and there was, um, was it Phyllis Schlafly? Or there was a, a woman that was on that panel. But you have to be very old school to remember this I panel. I was going to
0: say Phyllis Diller, but no, you're right. It's, she was Miss America. Miss America. Let me, let me and, find it real quick. And she, so was, you, she was actually very good. Yeah, she was very good. I'm gonna, Phyllis George, I think. Phyllis George. Yeah.
2: So that whole crew was there. But, but the guy on the end of the desk was Jimmy the Greek. He's a gambling expert.
0: And, 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 and being interviewed by Brent. All of them were on the Brent same Busberger. crew as Brent Busberger.
2: And, and so the NFL, with a wink and a nod, would say, we're not a gambling league. Mm. By the way, here's Jimmy the Greek with the lines. <laughs> and, and, and if you're in middle America, you had a bookie. Yeah. And so you would just find a guy, maybe, or you would make a gentleman's wager like with your friend, mm. uh, where you would say, hey, Don and I are going to bet 20 bucks and we uh, just over a handshake and I get the points or you would have office pools, et cetera. Now with the, they can see how much money, is being made by these draft kings with all these exotic bets and, and uh, trifectas and, and all of these different types of things. You can bet on anything, and they saw this over in Europe. The NFL's now leaning into it and saying, okay, we have a team in Vegas now, and we are going to align ourselves with something like win Terry Bradshaw's money, because I think the logic goes something like this, and I'd be interested to hear what you think. Players now make seven figures, so the amount of money it would take to lure a starting player to throw a game would be prohibitively high. I think that's what the NFL, that, that's what their wager is. Back in the day when Roger Staubach sold insurance in the offseason, you know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to get a second job in the offseason anymore. Mm-hmm. So back in the day when, when Jimmy the Greek was around, maybe you could bribe a kicker. You know kickers probably made $17,000 a year in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So if you went to a kicker and you said, "Hey, I'll pay you 50 grand to miss this field goal so that uh, the point spread is covered, you could probably do that. Nowadays I think everyone makes enough money where it's it's more insulated. Um but that that risk is still there. Mm-hmm. It, it would just take a lot of money to do it. And and the with supercomputers the the Vegas is able to see when someone is trying to move the line, and they are able to pick that out. And there, it's a cat and mouse game. But the 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 software is is advanced enough to go, oh, someone's moving this line on a game. Do you understand what I mean by that? Yep. And so, uh, and they will they'll they'll stop it. They'll stop that wagering on that um, on that game. And now all the the books. Sportsbooks are interconnected, where before it wasn't. So I yeah. could go to Harrah's and place a wager, and the line might be different over at, at a different casino.
0: Isn't it crazy? When you and I did Terrestrial Radio, we worked at Cairo. Cairo is owned by the Mormon Church. And I have to say, uh, they were the best operators uh, that I ever worked with. And they treated us like we were employees in the Mormon Church, because legally they had to. So we had great health care, paid really well, compensated really well. Uh, I have really no no complaints with the Mormon Church, although all the commercials on Cairo and 710 ESPN where we were at the time, you couldn't have any gambling, uh, you couldn't have alcohol, uh, you couldn't have uh, drunk driving attorneys, and you couldn't say, "Hey, meet me down at the casino." Because uh, Ron, I remember one time wanted to do some poker playing and some other things like like we had done at other radio stations. Oh, I had and they cool said trip. they said no to that. And what's really interesting is if you turn on those stations today, and I was talking to a salesperson from there the other day, the Mormon Church at Cairo and Seven Ten ESPN they now are running ads for drunk driving attorneys. And they send talent to like to go
2: drink scotch over in Ireland.
0: Yeah, the the more <laughs> the Mormon Church is doing that, and the, and and they have to because in order for terrestrial radio to survive, we just saw Como get sold to Lotus, and then they were forced to change their call letters because the TV on the said we don't want that radio side anymore. They they paid peanuts for that Como signal because you can't derive a lot of money out of just a, a radio signal anymore. You can leverage it. With online content and a YouTube channel and TV and some other things, but they just kind of cut them loose and they're floating out there. So, so again, though, back to the Mormon church at, at Cairo and 710 ESPN, you're taking drunk driver attorney money. That blows me away. You're taking casino money. You're taking alcohol money. I'm just waiting for the strip joints uh, like to have over at KJR. I imagine they'll be taking strip joint money at some point. And, and, and we sit there and we say there's no way the Mormon church would do that. They, they're, they're, they're taking alcohol, casino, and, and gambling money today. So it just shows you, Ron, if the Mormon church is willing to take that money, and I'll give you the final say, th- there really hasn't been a pivot in our society to say, hey, gambling, even though it can drive folks to addiction, just like anything can, uh, it's really become mainstream. I, the,
2: the mores around this has changed in our society. I think it's something like ninety percent of all Americans are within like fifty miles of a gaming facility, with all the the Native American casinos around there. So the mores have changed, and people go, okay, um, if you want to take a hundred dollars or whatever that amount of money is, and that is it's an entertainment budget, then then fine, go do that. I don't have a problem with it. So that that's what I think is the majority of people now where there used to be this seedy underbelly feeling to someone that wanted to wager on a game. uh, And it was tied to the mob and all this stuff. None of that exists anymore. uh, And people just feel like it's, yeah, if you want to spend that money, go at it. Like have fun. Yeah.
0: See you guys on the other side. (laughs)
2: Hey, it's Ron here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.loans. He's the official mortgage guy of the Ron and Don Nation. And Mitch, I wanna ask you this because I'm sure you get it every day just like we do. People want a crystal ball for the Puget Sound area real estate market. What's gonna happen in 2022? When is the right time that I should buy? When is the right time I should sell? All of these questions, I get why people wanna ask them, but from the finance mortgage side, how do you approach that? How do you think about that? Uh, because some of these things are unknowable, but people still want to know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I do sound a little biased, but I trust me, I'm not. Um, the right time to buy is now. Rates are predicted to go up just steadily for the next year or two. They've been pressing them down somewhat artificially, somewhat just due to the economy, but rates are down and they are not going to stay that way, which means money's cheap. But unfortunately, in this King County area, there's a lot of people getting paid a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So waiting might not be the call. As you wait longer and longer, there's all this tech money coming in, and even if rates go up, there's still going to be people who are able to buy million dollar, two million dollar homes. And there are a lot of them. I work with a lot of couples who both make 150 k Plus a year. Right. right? And that buys you a lot of house and it will continue to buy a lot of house. So buying now before there's too many of those people is huge. You don't want it to turn into the next San Francisco and have missed out on buying your first home.
2: So in the mortgage community, people are forecasting some rises coming in 2022. What does that mean for the sellers? Where they're saying, "I want to put my house on the market right now and then buy something else." Uh, again, we can't time the market, but what we can do is say, "Here's what we're seeing." Right?
1: Yeah, what we're seeing is selling's really easy, buying's hard. Okay. Unfortunately, that that may not change. It may change, um, but in the in the short term. So it's a seller's market, and gotcha. it has continued to be a seller's market. All right,
2: he's Mitch Weeks. He's the official mortgage guy of the Ron and Don Nation. You can get him at Mitch.Loans. That I almost said Mitch.Weeks. Mitch.Loans is his website. Mitch.Loans. Tell him you're with Ron and Don, and you save half a percent on that new loan. Mitch, we appreciate it. Uh, the case study today.
0: Yeah, switch to Mitch. Hey, you guys. Welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. And during the pandemic, I bet a lot of you did what I did. You had to just start using your house for in in different in different ways. In fact, we took apart uh a couple of our bedrooms because we knew that nobody was coming to visit. Like I had a bedroom I cut for my mother and we just took it apart and we built a radio studio in it. In fact, that's where we're sitting right now, the Les Schwab Studios. It's kind of a cool studio. Along with that, we have some boxing stuff in here because this also became our workout room. So my son boxes in here. And then I'm sitting here with a with a Peloton bike. Just sidebar.
2: Your yep. son has some good boxing form. He does. I've thank- taken a boxing class, and I don't have as good a form as he did. Good yep. power, too. Like, his hips are in it. Yeah. You know, nice jabs. Like, it's impressive.
0: Yeah, he's had, uh, he's had some lessons. He's, get, he's getting pretty good at that. We're playing some uh, basketball right now. Anyway, I have a Peloton bike that's sitting here. When I ordered this bike during the pandemic, it took four months to get it. I actually ordered another bike uh, for my friend Joe, my partner, and I just wanted to give him a, a thank you. Uh, And I had actually met him in one of my spin classes that I taught. And so I grabbed a bike for him as well. You know, what we found out is we enjoy riding the Peloton, but we don't enjoy a lot of the instructors. The rides aren't really difficult. You're riding with people around the country, which I guess is okay, but it's not the same as being in a classroom. And a lot of times what I will do is I'll jump on the bike. I'll turn on one of my old playlists because that's what gets me going and I and, and I ride not using the Peloton app. I'm just using my own music. Peloton now coming out of this uh, pandemic, and it looks like we're coming out. We'll see if there's a, a sixth wave, you guys. Who knows, right? Uh, we thought we were out of this last time. Uh, but Peloton just fired 2,800 people, and they also fired their CEO. And Ron, what do you think is, is Peloton up to here? Because it seems like ever since they went public, there's been a lot of pressure. And as we are coming out of this pandemic, people want to be around people. So you go to my gym, it's never been more packed. You go to something like Orange Theory, man, good luck getting on a row machine because they're packed as well. Uh, I go buy some of these other boutique uh places where you can go and sign up and you're kind of in a fitness class maybe with four other people that have similar fitness similar goals and instead of having a one-on-one that like gets so expensive with a trainer maybe it's one-on-5 right and these are the kind of classes right now in fitness that are really having some success do you see a path back for peloton i
2: don't and here's why because i've been watching shark tank and dragons den on youtube i don't know <laughs> if you know these shows uh, so uh, sh- dragons Dragon's Den is the British version of Shark Tank. And so and here's what I think is going on. When Peloton burst on the scene, they had a novel idea. What was that idea? Attaching a really big screen that was connected to the internet, In front of your bicycle, and then they did have a lot of people really do like the instructors. I know that you just said that you don't like it, but I've I've heard a lot of people say if they find the right instructor, that that instructor really motivates them and they enjoy that. There's another subset of those people they love that leaderboard and they love seeing if they can get on the leaderboard. Yeah, but when you watch Shark Tank and when you watch Dragons Den, one of the main questions they always ask the people is, do you hold the patent? on this innovation and what is stopping someone else from doing the same thing. And so Peloton does not have the patent on this innovation. So I was, I just saw a bike by uh is it Nordic track? Nordic track has a bike. What's on the front of the handlebars, a screen Nike. They have an app where it can go on a screen mm. Apple has a fitness app that can go on your phone or an iPad or a television or whatever. So Peloton does not, if they had the patent on this idea where no other stationary bicycle can have a screen mounted on the head and on the, on the handlebars, then yes, they would continue at this, at this rate of growth, but they don't have that. So I think people are out there looking at this and they go, whoa. A Peloton is, it, correct me if I'm wrong, around $2,000. Is that correct? A little bit more? The bike? Yeah. The Like fully loaded, what is a Peloton delivered?
0: Uh, under two grand, but it's really not about the bike. And they have new bikes out where the the, the screen kind of dismounts and, and you can get on the floor and you can follow like an aerobics class. But really, if you're going to do that to your point, all you're going to do is pull out your phone right. and you're going to cast it to your television set you're not, you're not going to use the Peloton screen. But, Nobody uses that to cast. I'm sitting in a room right now, and I cast. I'll use the, the TV screen on the wall.
2: So to my point, if it, let's say it's $1,600, $1,800, whatever it is. There are bikes now that for the non-expert rider are way less expensive and have almost identical feature sets. So that's what is – because, you know, NordicTrack, their bike is not $1,800. And it's a stationary bike. It has a screen on it. And so there are other bikes now, and they the, the industry is catching up with this innovation, and they're getting around, if there is any sort of patented, protected uh, intellectual property for Peloton, everybody's getting around it, making a cheaper version that's about the same. There's only so many factories in the world that make flywheels. There's only so many factories in the world that make pedals. And so uh, you pretty much are getting so many seats in the world. Like, they don't have a different seat. They don't have different pedals. They don't have different handlebars. They don't have different anything other than when it first started, they had a different screen and a different experience. Now everybody has that experience. So I think Peloton's in trouble here, and this new CEO has his work cut out for him. Well, to it's, grow. Not,
0: it's not just about the hardware. It's that every month they take $69 out of my account for the app. So that's where they were making their money. So do they make money on their hardware? Sure. Uh, and now they've gone into a situation where they said, I think for the next three months, they're not going to make bikes, but they were selling software. And to your point, a lot of these other companies didn't have very good software, very good instructors, and now they've caught up and now they do. So, so Peloton by selling you the bike, they were able to get a hold of your credit card and to take that monthly fee out. Just like gyms do gyms want, want your credit card, and your monthly fee, but they don't want you to come. And the reason they don't want you to come is because every gym is oversold and, and they won't have room for you if everybody shows up. And you know that when you make those New Year's resolutions in January, gyms always hope that you actually don't show up in February, but you continue to allow them to use your credit card through the course of the year because they know fitness is important to you. And in your mind, you won't cancel that because you'll feel guilty for canceling because you'll feel like you gave up on your resolution. So it's a real mind. Peloton grew too fast. They had to scale way up and now they're having to scale down, I think they'll be fine, and they'll find themselves as they scale down. But that's the problem. When you go public and you start answering to Wall Street, you may have a very successful business, but it doesn't matter because Wall Street is like, hey, you did a great job selling all those memberships and bikes last month. What are you going to do for me this month? And for that
2: reason, I'm out.
0: I'm out. (laughs) <laughs> hey, you guys. Thanks for stopping by. listening to episode 365. I really appreciate it. People always ask, they say, Ron and Don, how can I help? Well, the way you can help is we make our living by doing Ron and Don sit downs. So if you know someone that's buying, selling, investing, we'd love to sit down with us. Uh, so... Just reach out to Ron, ronatwindermere.com. If you have a family, a friend, just a neighbor, if there's some way that we can help them, and we appreciate the love and trust that you guys have for us. We hear that all the time, that we love you and that we trust you, and we know you're really good at what you do, and you'll be with us through the whole journey and even beyond, and that's true, you guys. So please reach out. It is a referral business. Second thing. Hit subscribe on that podcast player. Then every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, the show automatically, boom, drops. It's on your podcast player, and you get to listen that way. And then finally, would you sign up for The Nation News? Go to ronanddon.com. You'll see our real estate business. You'll see our radio business. You can sign up for The Nation News. And Ron and I write one thing a week. We don't sell that list. I think we have about 6,000 people on that list right now that we write each and every week. And we would love to write you, too. Thanks for giving us the largest social media following when it comes to any realtor, really, and certainly any realtor slash broadcaster in the state of Washington. And we love leveraging that in this podcast too now with over a 1,200,000 plays. Hey, you guys, you keep your head up, your shoulders back. Thanks for making us your broadcasters, your friends, and your realtors. And we'll see you next time right here on the Ron and Don Radio Network.
1: Now keep your head up and your shoulders back. And keep blowing that trumpet, and we'll see you next time. Only! Only. Only! Only. Only! Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network.